And it's leadership that creates a culture, whether that culture is winning or not. In fact, leaders either create the culture they want, or if they fail to do that, they'll get a culture they don't want. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger Molly says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another Tuesday Takeover episode for the Flip My Phone podcast. And, and we are pumped. This is Unfortunately, the conclusion of the series that we have been going through with Joe uh, and his partner, and, and, and it has been phenomenal for me to just learn along it. So Joe is the CEO of Prestige Leadership Advisors. They've been doing this for many years. Uh, we felt like part of our job as part of the community is to bring in the experts in the industry who are doing this and advising to so many more people, and leadership is such a broad topic. So we wanted Joe to come in and break it down. And, and they've done a phenomenal job in this whole series of breaking it down. So if you haven't taken the time to listen, go back and, and check it out. We talked about communications, qualities for leadership, and leadership action is the three things we talked about already. So again, Joe, thank you so much for running this series. Thank you for the incredible depth that you went into and also making it super actionable all along the way. I can't thank you enough. And, and I really appreciate it, Joe. So thank, thanks and welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangram. I appreciate your having us do these podcasts. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So tell us a little bit more about Prestige Leadership as, as people get to know you. They obviously heard you now three times, and I want to make sure that you do share what, what your organization does and how you help. Sure. Joe Yazbek, who is my partner, and he's actually the founder of Prestige Leadership Advisors. He and I have been business owners for well over 25 years. We've faced all the same challenges that all of our clients face, and we have achieved some pretty good successes along the way. We've made our share of mistakes. You know, we've had our nose bloodied and we've stepped in the minefield a few times. So we share our successful actions with clients. And basically, we simply help them achieve their goals, if I could put it in a very succinct way. Love it. Love it. So this is the leadership series. You talked about communications in the first one qualities of a leader in the second one, how leaders take action in the third one, and this is the fourth and finale. So what do you, what do you, what are you bringing to the masses here? This one is called Corporate Culture, and Peter Drucker, who is both your, one of yours and my favorite business authors, he had a line that I think is the coolest quote in business history. He wrote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Oh, boom. <laughs> yes. Can you say that again? <laughs> Culture Eats Strategy for Breakfast by Peter Drucker. <laughs> so true. So true. So cool. It's like the Clint Eastwood of, of business lines, you know? And culture really establishes the success or failure of a business. Everything begins and ends with culture. The problem with culture today is the term itself means a thousand different things to a thousand different people. You know, things like culture and values, they're, they're kind of generalities. So we make an attempt to get more specific and define what we mean by that and, and exactly how to create a winning culture in any business. I love this. Joe, thank you so much for doing the entire series. I know people are uh, going to love this and we'll have your information and how to get in touch with you 
if they so choose to. But again, thank you for doing the entire series, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sangram. Hello, I'm Joe Kerner. And once again, and this is our fourth podcast on leadership and communication. With me, once again, is Joe Yazbek, the best-selling author, leadership advisor, and international speaker. Welcome, Joe. Well, thanks, Joe. Good to have another conversation with you about important subjects like leadership and communications. I know, I'm, and I'm enjoying these myself. You know, so far, we've been talking about leadership quality communications and also some of the qualities of exceptional leadership. And today, I'd like us to talk about corporate culture. Now, culture is one of the hottest topics in business today. And you and I are not into buzzwords or generalities. But when it comes to culture, I have to say that I believe culture determines the success or failure of any business or any type of organization for that matter. There are winning cultures, there are losing cultures, and there are mediocre cultures. Now, you and I have studied business, leadership, organizational development for many, many years, both of us over 30 years. And we've learned how to create winning cultures. And Joe, I would say that's probably the very first step in the process is to simply know that winning cultures have to be created, that there has to be a strong intention and philosophy to create a winning culture. And it's leadership that creates a culture, whether that culture is winning or not. In fact, leaders either create the culture they want, or if they fail to do that, they'll get a culture they don't want. A culture will be created for them. What are your thoughts about this? Well, these are, uh, this is a very, very, such an essential and indispensable subject to master, let alone talk about. I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I, I, as, you're, as I'm listening to you, and I'm reminded, I had a client in my office yesterday. And this client, and I'm, I'm, uh, we're working on the next year's production targets, if you will. And some very, very high-level targets. And in order to make these targets, he's got to, he really has to bring in the right talent and recruit the right people to make these targets because he's not going to be able to do it with just the team he has. And so we started looking at what, what is not, it's not enough to have a job description. What do you want in your profile? Do you know what you're looking for in a new person coming on board? Right. What is the profile? What's the character of that person? What are the qualities that make up this individual? Does this person have, what degree of willingness do they have on getting a job done? How is that measured? So many different things. You know, testing is one thing, but I'm a proponent of observation. And, and as long as you know what your purpose is, every recruiter, or if you're in a small company, it, it may be the owner that's recruiting, needs to understand what they want in alignment with the purposes of that organization, its future ideal scene of what that looks like five years up the road, and what are the inherent potential qualities in people that are gonna be needed to start with. And I, I, you see, because every, every leader or executive of a company should have at least some idea of how they are going to provide 
opportunities for their teams to succeed, like training, having the correct policies, a safe working environment, you know, giving them coaching, so to speak, if needed, right? We're all of that. But it all starts with the raw, pure, what do you have in front of you before you hire them? Exactly. It's so important. This to me is, is what's going to help. And he, this, this person in my office yesterday needed another seven to 10 agents that can produce X amount of dollars per year. Okay. And he's going to have to go through at least three or four times that amount so that he can, by process of elimination within, let's say, a 30-day period, come up with those. Yes, absolutely. But more important than achieving their targets is, do you have the right culture that you've envisioned? You know, are they operating on your vision for that company? Is this team, you know, open to solving problems, not giving you problems? Are they contributing happiness to the organization? (laughs) (laughs) Call it the happiness factor. Like, I love it when a team member takes another team member aside and asks a question like, hey, man, how are you doing today? You need help with anything? Wow. That's a great culture. Exactly. You know, Joe, you have raised a half a dozen critical, vital points. And uh, you're so right. You know, you and I, of course, we're big on the fact that purpose is the number one and first ingredient, but right behind that is people. You know, a company can offer a fantastic product or service, but if they don't have the right people, that company's gonna go bankrupt very quickly because uh, sooner or later, some other company is going to imitate that great product or service and they may do a better job if they have better people. So you are spot on that that is probably uh, the most important ingredient to a culture. You know, you, you talked about um, uh, the leader having uh, uh, it firmly in mind what the culture is, and that's really where it starts. Has the leader uh, or any business owner or executive, have they even given any thought to what culture do they want? I think many, many business people have this idea that kind of the culture just sort of happens. You know, it just sort of evolves. And you and I don't see it that way at all. We believe creating a culture and it starts with the definition in our own minds yes i think that leaders create their teams yes or they make their teams happen by design well they should be ideally that's true but you and i have seen all too often where the leaders don't create it by design they just bring people in for the sake of filling job positions without any thought as to who they're bringing in as you pointed out earlier and or keeping people around who maybe turn out not to be the right people how often have we seen that? You know, where somebody will keep the wrong person around for years and they cause everybody else around them to, to struggle or have conflict or not do their jobs well. So you're absolutely right. It, it starts with an actual definition. It, you know, defining a culture is very much like defining a goal. You have to have an exact goal in mind. It has to be completely defined. Well, the same with the culture. You have to decide how do I want things to be? How do I want this company to operate? What are my intentions? What what do I want this company to stand for? What kind of service do I want to offer our customers and clientele? You mentioned happiness factor. What what kind of internal environment, working environment do I want to create? You know, how do I want to develop my people? How much do I want to develop my people? How do I want to empower them? Do I want to empower them? You see, these are all questions that have to be answered. 
Yeah, it's a checklist, isn't it, Joe? I mean, every executive should have a checklist of much like a, a, an aircraft pilot has a checklist before they take off. Is, is that, yeah, no, that's a fantastic analogy. Yeah. You know, the, uh, you take that pilot, and that's a great, uh, I love that example. Let's say a pilot has been a, a captain for 25 years. You know, he or she has flown millions of miles, and yet they still take this piece of paper on a clipboard and they check off, literally check off with a pen or pencil, each and every item. And why do they do that? Because lives are at stake and they can't afford to leave to memory or chance that these things won't get looked at, right? And yet business is very sloppy on this point. Checklists are old school, they're old fashioned, they're not sexy, they're not high tech, and yet things fall through the crack if there aren't a, isn't a checklist. And lives are at stake. <laughs> at least economically, right? <laughs> well, economically, when you think about it, I've had, uh, I've heard of nightmares. I've had people tell me nightmares about what they've experienced in other companies where, you know, I mean, suicides occur because wow. of, you know, or, or there's so much oppression within a company and their, their, their HR departments are completely inept because they're not holding firm you know, what their rules and policies are. But I, I truly believe, you know, what you're saying there has to be part and parcel of anyone who's even considering opening a company. Uh, in, fact, in fact, the very, one of the very first questions that I have anyone who's interested in getting help or being mentored through my, our company, our, our company trains leaders, executives. I, I, I give them an assignment before they become a client. What is your ideal life and career? Oh, that's a great question. Describe it. What does it look like? And describe it as though it's happening in present time. You, if you don't have a vision of what, it's, what your career in life is supposed to be in some dream, it's not some euphoric dream. It's your dream. You know, people have a dream. They want their dreams to come true. And people live an entire life without even dreaming. Exactly. You see, so as a business owner, describe the kind of talent you want, the kind of people you want on your team. You know, describe the kind of environment that you would like to have. I mean, I think that some of these major corporations, you know, that have this image of being very trendy, innovative, like Google, et cetera. Somebody thought about the environment they wanted there and they put policies in place or they made these part of the beginning company manual of this is what this company's about. Or they, they took a course in this is the XYZ company culture. This, we need you to understand this. And um, this is not something that is being dictated to you as punishment, okay, where if you don't adhere to these rules, you're going to be fired. No, you know, at least you're giving a person a sense of what kind of group they're going to belong to, maybe even a history. What's the history of the organization? Who founded it? What principles was it founded on? These are, these are the ideals that, that bring in what I would call a corporate spirituality. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a corporate, you know, non-material part. It's the philosophy that 
let's say, like the founders of our country put in the Constitution, it's what the founders of the company put together in, in their policy manuals to say, we don't want our business to turn into this. We want it to remain this for the future. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you, I love that term you just coined, corporate spirituality, Joe. We, you, should, uh, you should trademark that. I love that. I think that's a great way of putting it, for sure. You know, many years ago in one of my companies, we, we had started off very, very well, very fast. It grew like wildfire. And then after about year four or five, we kind of got a little bit complacent. And so for a two-year stretch, things were kind of lagging and sort of uh, getting a little bit mediocre or whatever. And I realized this was happening. And so I thought, okay, it's time to repurpose ourselves, go back to the basis, go back to the fundamentals that, that made us good in the beginning. And I started working on our corporate culture. And two years later, I had developed a 211-point checklist. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, and it took almost two years to get each and every one of these points in place, but it was worth it. You know, for that two-year period, the company started to grow again, and I was just getting each one of these points in place, one at a time, maybe three at a time. But imagine that, 211 points went into creating our company culture. But if it wasn't a, an intended, pushed on, uh, a, with attention put on it, nothing would have happened. You know, this Correct. had to be created. Yeah, that, that, that checklist perhaps needs to be a published book or article or seriously, because it's sorely needed. Uh, I like that idea. I love checklists. Me too. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it, it's kind of a compass. It keeps you always pointed in the right direction. And, and you know, it, it, it gives, it's like a GPS in a way for a company. That's very true. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes what's considered old school or old fashioned gets dropped out, even though it's, it works great, even in the modern world. And I think checklists are one of those things. Several minutes ago, you mentioned a job description. I think that's another thing that has dropped out. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, a modern job description could be much, much better than it used to be. But I think that people need a very full description of their job starting with what's the purpose of the company? What's the purpose of your job? How does your job relate to the purpose of the company? How are you actually contributing to the success of the company? And what's the end result you produce that contributes to the end result the company sells to its clients? These are all important. You know, this, in my opinion, is what causes people to be engaged. And not having these things is what causes people to be disengaged. What do you think? Well, Joe, you have a, such an incredible expertise and I've seen you in action, and I've, and I've, I've seen you with, with clients that we have mutually worked on where you put so much order into these companies by just that concept alone, the questions that you just posed. You know, what's the purpose? What's the, the valuable product? You know, how does it relate? And it gives, it gives each of them a sense of value of how, what they're passing on from one department or division to another has so much value to it, you see, and and uh, you know, organizational development is not easy. But when you develop the organization well, uh, like you've shown over almost thirty years now, I would think you can create a culture that is operating on the same rules of the game. Exactly. Otherwise, everybody's got their own ideas, and it's a, just a crapshoot. 
and you're creating so much noise and very little gets done. Exactly. You know, if you look at the at the most successful companies, and I'm talking about the ones that have genuine lasting success, and not just monetarily, but in every other way, like a Berkshire Hathaway or an Apple when Steve Jobs was around, they had a very tightly knit culture. Everything was aligned and uh, people were all on the same page and they were all working toward common goals and purposes. And there wasn't room for very much dissension. And that's not always a popular view. You know, a lot of what goes on today is, well, you know, people should be entitled to their opinions and, you know, it's diversity and all that. Well, look, you and I are big on diversity in terms of ethnicity and religion, race and things like that. However, yeah, exactly. However, what cannot be diverse is purpose. Everybody has to be on a common purpose. And that's where we draw the line where we say, look, diversity is great except when you're working against us. <laughs> you know, you just reminded me of why Steve Jobs jumped in on the recruiting line and he himself personally hired 5,000 people for his company because he cared about that. That's right. I mean, all the way from the top, that's how important it was for him to have an influx of the right attitude and character and willingness contributing to what he strove for years trying to create. You're not going to have an influx of those who don't care tearing it apart. Exactly. You know, it's interesting looking at the history of Apple when, of course, when he and Wozniak started Apple, it grew like wildfire. And then somehow Steve Jobs lost control. The board kicked him out of his own company. And Apple didn't do so well for a number of years, right? They were very mediocre. And then all of a sudden, Steve comes back, and then Apple becomes the greatest company in the history of the planet in terms of market value. You know, they became number one in history. And, and it's pretty clear that's, that he was the driving force. And, you know, you hear these stories that, you know, he was kind of ruthless, and he could be mean and nasty and harsh and all that. However, what you and I think is that he simply had a very strong purpose, and he insisted that everybody follow that purpose. And he's famous for a lot of his quotes about hiring people, as you mentioned. Uh, he hired all these people. And one of my favorites from him is that I hire people smarter than me so that I don't, I don't have to tell them how to do their jobs. They can tell us how to do ours. So I don't care how ruthless or tough he may have been. The fact is the guy actually cared about his people as long as he had the right people. Yeah, and the opposite of that is someone who comes in and mandates everything, does not allow his team to grow or her team to grow, comes in and, and, and dictates, much like a teacher in school who doesn't allow discovery to take place with students. Exactly. Interesting, isn't it? It is. It's you know, a very boring classroom and very frustrating to learn. That's why kids don't like to be in school, because they're not learning. Exactly. They're being told what to think. And you don't want that in a company. You want a company of creators, a company of spontaneous expression-filled communicators that are excited about what they're contributing to the overall purpose. Absolutely, Joe. You know, it's a very fine line and a fine balance point between too much management and too little management. You know, you have to have that exact right balance. You want superstars in your company who are empowered to think, as you mentioned, to be creative, to be innovative, to come up with ideas and better way of doing things. 
at the same time, they can't run totally free because then they'll collide with one another. And there has to be just the right amount of organization and supervision just to act as a referee if no other reason. Because even the greatest group of people are still going to have disagreements occasionally. They're going to have an occasional conflict and somebody has to sort that out. So one of the things that you know we do is that striking that balance point. What's just the right amount of organization and structure? What's just the right amount of management without micromanaging or without uh, causing people to, to have chaos in their midst? And that's, that's, is, that's the art of management, in my opinion. And it is an art, and that's exactly right. And an art, an art form, like any art form, it has to have a proper conception right from the very beginning. Exactly. It's a creative process. What is this thing, what does this company need to look like before it's even constructed? It's like you are, Joe, you have a master's in, in engineering. And I, I love the approach where you've got to make a, de, a design of something, construct it, get a sense of what this thing is going to look like. This is pretty much what art is. You know, in architecture, in design, in engineering, you have... How, it, how something is draft, drafted or designed and what does it look like? And with measurements, it's even given the mathematics of it all. That's right. You know? And why shouldn't constructing a company not be given the same importance? Exactly, Joe. And that's, that's a missing ingredient, in my opinion, uh, what you just said. Most companies do not approach themselves that way. You know, they, most companies start out with a good product and service. And they think, well, as long as I have a good product and service and deliver it well, that's all it takes. That may have been true longer ago, but in today's world, that is not the case at all. There's a lot of ingredients that go into a successful company and even more ingredients that go into a successful culture. There's at least 20, 25 ingredients that make up what we consider to be a winning culture. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, these pieces have to fit together just so if any piece is missing or any piece is turned sideways, it ruins the whole picture. Yeah, when, when it's, very, it's so true. It is, it is so true. You've got to know what, what, the, what the ideal company looks like to know if there's something out, if there's something missing. You're not going to know something is missing if you don't know what's supposed to be there. And I, you, know, you and I have had enough uh, years of uh, training clients and coaching them to know that you've got to ask them questions. They don't even know why those questions are being asked until they're, you know, they wouldn't know to ask those questions. Now they're looking and going, oh, my God, I don't even have that in place. Quality control? Why do I need that? Right. You know, or, you know, a, a system of rewards and penalties where I'm bonusing people for production and penalizing them for non-production. Oh, you, need, you mean to tell me there's an ethics and justice system in my company I need to make sure of? They don't even know. They're not what they're not. And so these, these are some of the things we have to be as trainers of leaders uh, aware of that there are certain unawarenesses or there are certain things that they're, un, they're not they're unconscious about their unconsciousness. You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. you know, yeah. And I, I don't want that to come across wrong to our listeners. You know what we're saying, because, listen, you and I were unconscious. 35 years ago, too. So yeah, that's how you learn. But this is how you improve. You know, I, I say, and I, I, I've, I've done enough of public speaker training in my life to know that you have to wake people up for them to know, to hear your message. 
you've got to wake them up. And what are you waking them up with? Wake them up with what they're not facing right now. And that's the challenge that they have that has pain connected to it. You know, anybody listening right now, if you're having a problem, if, you've got the, if you don't know what the, what the reason is for that problem, well, then the thing to do is do something about it. Something can be done about it. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. That's, right. and that's why you want to seek a mentor, an advisor. This is not a sales pitch. You've got to be open to accepting help and to find out how to overcome it because one doesn't overcome it on their own. It takes a team to build a dream. That's There's for sure. You know, Joe, you touched on a good point when you talk about mentors. The, the most successful people in any field of life all had close mentors, uh, even in sports. For example, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods have had coaches. Michael Jordan employed two coaches to help him. And here's a guy who many people consider the greatest basketball player of all times. And he employed coaches even at the height of his power. You know, so if, if Michael Jordan feels that he needed a coach, well, then all of us lesser mortals, certainly we could use some help once in a while. So absolutely right. We never get, we never rest on our laurels, you know, and you have to lead by example. You have to show your team that you're a student of your own profession and that you're always getting educated and that you are educating them on a weekly basis in your meetings. And that is essential. And that's leadership by example. I agree. Well, Joe, this has been great. And as always, the time flies by on these podcasts. So uh, we should end off here and uh, we should do a few more of these. I, I think we have. A yeah, I like these very much. I hope the, hope, I hope the listeners like them, Joe. I hope so. I think they are. And uh, looking forward to continuing to have conversations like this for the benefit of our listeners. All right. Well, thanks for all of your great insights, Joe. And thank you for yours. Pleasure always having this conversation with you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.